Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I don't know if I've gone blind. I'm hoping you can help me and see if this is, this is real. I, I'm very confused here. I see the name Alibaba, and I also see green on the chart. And... To me, this is it's just a bit shocking. I don't know if I like typed in the wrong holding. Is there another Alibaba that I'm not aware of that's a US company? Because so far, this company's in the green. And that's not the Alibaba that I know. If I click on the past five days, it's in the green by 19.4%. This has to be some kind of some kind of joke. Am I being, you know, am I under some, some TV show here? Has somebody hacked my internet? Because I'm seeing Alibaba in the green by 20% over the past five days. If I look at the past month, we're still in the green over a 30-day period, albeit not as much, 7.84%. But this is a pretty good rally over the past 10 days. It was up 53%. Now, let me go ahead and zoom out six months here. All right. Now, this is the Alibaba that I remember down 21% over the trailing six months. All right, so I know that I'm looking at the right company. Now, of course, we're going to be looking at Alibaba. We're going to be talking about their new share buyback raise. They raised their share buybacks from $15 billion over the next two years to $25 billion over the next two years. Now, $25 billion is a lot of money in share buybacks in a two-year period for a company with a $270 billion market cap. That is a substantial amount of share buybacks. So we'll be discussing that news. We're also going to be discussing the news of the Chinese government somewhat signaling that they're becoming a little bit more clear and transparent with the regulations. They don't want them to go on forever. Overall, this was very bullish news to investors. So we'll be going over that as well. And of course, we're going to be going over JP Morgan saying that Alibaba is, quote, uninvestable for the next six or so months. So I'll give my reaction to that news as well. So we have a lot of news to cover today, and we're also going to be talking about my portfolio called the Story Fund. This is something that I transparently track every single week, week by week, so you can follow along for free. I invest in a lot of fast-growing, high-quality companies with huge total addressable markets that I think will compound their earnings, their free cash flow, and their growth over a long period of time. And I believe that these companies have a strong potential to be able to outperform the S&P 500, which I track every single week. I do have a significant holding in Alibaba, and I'm certainly in the red on this company. So all of this is coming from the perspective of someone that is invested in Alibaba and bullish in Alibaba. Now, let's go ahead and jump right in. First, by me saying that Alibaba is a company that I've always looked at that has a great deal of risk. And that has to be something that you consider if you're ever considering investing in a company like this. Alibaba has country risk. What I would define as country risk are risks specific to investing in a specific country. I think that the U.S. has very little country risk, meaning the system in the U.S. is pretty straightforward. We allow capitalism to flourish. The government usually is not an issue. They don't usually... Uh, break companies apart all that often. They've even let our big tech companies grow to enormous sizes. So overall, I just view the U.S. as having very minimal country risk. In fact, I think it's the best country to invest in. When I look at Alibaba, 
the company's great, but it's in a country of China. And China has a lot more country risk. They have a government that so far has been more unpredictable. They've been more hands-on with their investments. Uh, they find the companies, they, they get seats on the boards of the companies, and they kind of oversee them and control them. And it's a country that we're economic foes with. So we are very competitive with them from the U.S. to China. The tensions are, are kind of tough between the two countries. Uh, there's the thing going on with Russia and Ukraine, an entire war, and China is more on the side of Russia than the U.S. And so it creates specific country risk. And I realize that investing in this company. Now, having said that, I think it's okay to invest in companies like Alibaba as long as you're aware of the risks and you portion the size of your holding to a segment of your portfolio. So I personally would never invest 90% of my portfolio in Alibaba. I think that there's too much of a specific risk, but I am fine investing 10% of my portfolio. That's a risk I'm willing to take. Now, having said that, there's been some decent developments with Alibaba over the past few months. We have some major news like this news right here. The Chinese government came out and so far, everything up until now has been crackdowns, fines, right? Sometimes crushing businesses like the Chinese companies that were trying to do tutoring. The Chinese government didn't like that. They also put regulations on how much kids could play video games or watch TikTok or play different games on Tencent, right? These things that were viewed as very bad for Chinese equities, very bad for investors. Then there's also concerns about the VIE structure and if they're going to honor that type of relationship or if they'll just scrap it, if they will delist the equities from China in the US. You know, there's all these surrounding concerns that aren't really fundamental with Alibaba, but they do affect the stock. Then China came out and said this. In a brief statement carried by the state media, China's top financial policy body vowed to ensure stability in the capital markets, support overseas stock listings, resolve risks around property developers, and complete the crackdown on big tech, quote, as soon as possible. Yi Gang, governor of the People's Bank of China, followed with a statement saying that the central bank would help implement the policies, as did the banking watchdog. So that statement was a huge change in tone from the Chinese government. One moment they're saying, hey, we are cracking down on all these big tech companies. Us, the government has control, not these guys. We're not going to be like the U.S. where where the big tech controls everything. They bribe the government. They can kick the president off of their platform, right? In China, the Chinese government has control, not big tech companies like Alibaba. That was the tone that they were taking, and that frightened a lot of investors. Then they come out with this statement saying, we're going to be more supportive of these holdings overseas. We're going to finish this tech crackdown. Uh, we don't really have a problem with these companies. We just want to regulate them, Right. It's just a change in tone. And a lot of investors look at what the Chinese government is signaling and they gauge that on whether or not it's risky to invest. After they released this statement, the stock price went up like 17%. So it obviously had a pretty big impact. Now, whether or not you really trust or don't trust the Chinese government, I don't think is the big question here. I think the big question is what is their incentive? So when I look at the Chinese government, I don't trust them at all. It is a you know, a government not like the US, they can really do whatever they want. They have no accountability. So I don't trust the Chinese government. But what I do trust is basic incentive. I don't think the Chinese government has a strong incentive to crush their biggest companies, to make them not profitable. I don't think they have much incentive to not do any business with the US. I think there's strong incentive to the opposite of that. I think they need their companies to do well. They need them to be competitive, but they still want to regulate them during that process. So to me, this isn't an issue of trust. 
It's an issue of incentive. Now, the next news that we have is that Alibaba is upping their share buybacks to $25 billion. This is from the Wall Street Journal here. They say that Alibaba boosted its share buyback program to $25 billion from $15 billion in a bid to reassure investors about the company's prospects after a year in which the stock has fallen. The potential buybacks are substantial compared with the Chinese e-commerce giant's market value. So, $25 billion of buybacks for a company the size of Apple or Microsoft is like, it's like nothing. It's like a little drop in the pond. But when you're doing $25 billion of share buybacks in a two-year period the size of Alibaba, that is a substantial buyback. To put this in perspective, if we look at what they're actually doing with their finances here, Alibaba generates a significant amount of free cash flow. They are a profitable company, and they're taking a lot of those profits to limit their amount of shares. They're buying back their shares. And if they buy back $25 billion of 270 over the course of a two-year period, that means that they're buying back, roughly speaking, a little over 9% of their market cap over a two-year period. 9% of their market cap bought and purchased just by the company in the next two years. So, Another way to view this is Alibaba could, with this money, announce that they're paying a 4.5% dividend yield over the next two years. You just get a 4.5% yield. That would be roughly the same thing. Of course, they're not doing that. They're doing share buybacks. And the reason why they're doing this share buyback is probably because they consider the stock to be relatively cheap. By every metric, it seems to be cheap. They said the 67% increase in firepower allocated for buybacks was, quote, a sign of confidence about the company's continued growth in the future. And we have Citigroup here saying the analyst said the enlarged buyback plan was, quote, likely the largest share repurchase program ever in China's internet sector and suggested Alibaba's management viewed its stock as undervalued and attractive. So Citigroup's guess here is that Alibaba's doing these share buybacks to probably promote confidence in the stock, which I think it does. Plus, they view the stock as undervalued. So they're buying back undervalued shares. Now, I think the reason that companies like this typically do share buybacks, and so many companies do them, is quite obvious. If you look at the way that EPS is calculated, the earnings per share of the company, the main thing that drives valuation of these companies is the earnings per share, because the P-E ratio is the price compared to the earnings per share. If you look at the EPS calculation, like we've seen, it's the net income over the earnings per share. When a company does share buybacks, they reduce the amount of shares outstanding. So the net income is divided by less shares outstanding, which makes the earnings per share greater. And we can see this happen over and over again in US firms. It is a very common practice with companies that generate extra capital. We have Google as an example. Look at Google's shares outstanding over time. Back in 2018, they had 695 million shares outstanding. And every single quarter since then, they've aggressively bought back more and more shares, doing share repurchases. Now they have 662 million shares outstanding. Well, that means that they're doing share buybacks, they're lowering their share count, which has the effect of increasing their earnings per share. And you can see Google's earnings per share go up dramatically over the past two years. Now it needs to be said that of course buybacks are not the only reason companies grow their earnings per share. It's just one effect. They also grow it just by growing their net income. So the company becomes more profitable, the earnings per share will grow as well. But the buyback is oftentimes a key ingredient in growing the earnings per share. We could also look at the example of Domino's here. Domino's is another company that both grows its net income. This is the net income growth over the quarters, right? Quarter over quarter, they're growing it over time, but they not only become more profitable and grow their net income, they're also using their free cash flow 
to buy back shares. And you can see the share count declining over time. And both of these, the increased net income and the declining shares outstanding, of course, grow their earnings per share. And Domino's has been extremely effective at growing their earnings per share. So I view this as a very common practice amongst US companies. And I think that in the situation of Alibaba, it's probably positive news. Because if you think the stock is heavily undervalued right now, which it is based on every fundamental level, the only real risk is country risk with China. But if the stock is heavily undervalued, you want the company to be buying back those shares at undervalued prices. Now, we wouldn't want Alibaba to be buying back their shares if the stock price was heavily overvalued. If the company had a $2 trillion market cap and the price was just through the roof, because in that case, it would probably be a waste of money. $25 billion doesn't go a long ways when you're buying a $2 trillion company. But in the scenario that Alibaba's in right now, with their stock price heavily depressed because of all the surrounding news, I think that this is a great time to be doing share buybacks. If they're ever going to be doing share buybacks aggressively, right now is probably a good time for it. So I am very bullish on this news. I think it's good for investors, good for shareholders. I think that it's probably the best thing that Alibaba could be doing. Now, the other news that I wanted to respond to was this big news right here from JP Morgan analysts. They say that after this big sell-off, Alibaba is now uninvestable. That's what they say for the next six to 12 months. In fact, if we read from the actual report, JP Morgan analyst Alex Yao says they double downgraded Alibaba Group Holdings to underweight from overweight with the price target of 65 down from their previous price target of 180. So just to get this straight, Alibaba to them was a buy. For the past six months, they said buy this stock, buy this stock, but then the stock price fell 55% over the past six months. All the while, JP Morgan was saying this company's a buy. Then when it hits complete rock bottom in the past month on the 15th, they come out with news saying that Alibaba is uninvestable, their words. And then the stock goes through one of the biggest rallies of all time. It's up 54% in 10 days. This is the problem with listening to analysts. They always follow the stock price. If the stock goes down, they'll move their buy rating to a sell rating. They'll say, get out of the stock. If a stock surges in price and it's going to the moon, they'll say, now's the time to jump in after a massive price surge. In reality, you should be doing the exact opposite. When stocks come down in price and they're still fundamentally sound companies, that makes the valuation more attractive and it makes your future expected returns higher. And likewise, when the company goes up in price and they surge up, that's when you should be more skeptical and cautious about valuation risk. So what these analysts do, in my opinion, is in many cases the exact opposite of what investors should be doing. They follow the stock price, they buy heavily after companies have had a big run up, and they tell you to sell after companies have had a big sell-off. So that's my thoughts so far on Alibaba. Now moving on, I do have to give a quick portfolio update with my portfolio, the Story Fund. This is a aggressive growth center portfolio where I invest in what I consider to be a lot of high quality, fast growing companies with huge total addressable markets that I think will generate a significant amount of free cash flow in the future. Now, so far, this portfolio has struggled. It's in fact trailed the S&P 500. I benchmark it against the S&P 500. The Story Fund, my portfolio is the blue line, the S&P 500 is the red line. So right now we're trailing the S&P 500 by around 12%. And I know that doesn't look good. I could try to hide this and you know try to make excuses or whatever, but I'm gonna show the outcome either way. 
even if I end up losing against the S&P 500. My goal is to outperform SPY by the end of 2025. So we're still in the early innings, and in my opinion, we have a long ways to go. I still think I have a very good chance of outperforming the S&P 500. We've already had some huge sell-offs in these companies. Multiples have already come way down, and now they're actually starting to grow, and I think the story will change a little bit with these companies. I have big bets in Netflix, in Google, in Microsoft, and Alibaba. I still am bullish on Spotify. I still have a lot of Apple, and my biggest bet right now is Amazon. I have around 30% of my portfolio in Amazon because I just see enormous amount of upside to this company, and I think it will generate a significant amount of free cash flow. So I still remain bullish even though right now things look ugly. But just a month ago, they looked a lot uglier at $20,000 in red. So things can change quickly. So that's my portfolio so far. And again, I'm going to be tracking the performance every single week. So you can follow along with it for free by just subscribing to the channel. If you want extra content, exclusive videos, a Patreon community, as well as investment software, you can check out the Patreon. There's a link in the description. Other than that, I'll see you in the next one.